I'm just going to read it to you. And and I'm going to, I, I'm I'm going to I'm just going to talk to you from my heart tonight. I'm going to talk to you from my heart tonight. I have no certain bell that I think I'm supposed to ring. I have no no goal in mind except please Jesus. We want to do Your will. Uh, amen. Verse 1, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily, I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. Let's ask God sincerely to help us tonight. Lord Jesus, we love you so very deeply. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Oh, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Have your way tonight, God. We pray by your Holy Ghost. Have your way tonight, Jesus. Have your way tonight. Amen. God bless you so very, very much. You may be seated. This text that I've read to you about Jesus, his disciples, and the little boy, the questions that were being bandied about and the statements that were being made, we don't know all of them, but the gist of it was that Simon Peter felt like he would be the greatest in the kingdom, while the sons of thunder felt like they would be, while Doubting Thomas thought before he that was overcome with doubt that he would. Simon Zelotes, no doubt, firing away, felt like he would be the greatest in the kingdom. And on and on and on, the debate went forth as to who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And apparently, they weren't doing this in secret. They got pretty bold that day because there was a crowd around, enough so that there was a, at least children... And, and now they may have been whispering it amongst themselves, but there, were, there was people around and Jesus looked at the face of a little child and got his attention and beckoned the child to come to him. We don't know the name of that child. We do not know the name of that child. I'm going to assume, though the scripture does not spell it out, I'm going to assume that it was a little boy. Certainly doesn't have to be. 
And I don't think Jesus cared one way or the other. But let's just say he called a little boy. Now, think with me, if you will, how that must have affected that boy. I mean, he's standing there and this is Jesus. Never a man spake like this man. This is Jesus that could raise the dead and open blinded eyes. And word has it, he can feed thousands upon thousands of people with little and nothing. Amen. This is the man that we've heard tell can walk on water and calm seas and on and on and on. And he calls this little boy. And you can just kind of see the boy looking around. Yeah, you, come here. And, and we can only wonder what was going in this boy's heart. As he comes and Jesus puts his arm around him and begins to use him for an example. And begins to tell his disciples that except you be converted. Now he got him in the midst of them. So all eyes were on him, amen, and he said, boys, except you be converted like little children, I'm telling you, you're not going to get into heaven. Now, we've heard this so many times, but I wonder whatever became of that little child. I trust he did live, did not meet an early demise. He grew into his teens, amen. I can only imagine what he felt like. Hopefully, I guess he wasn't, hopefully he wasn't there when Jesus was crucified. I can't imagine the effect that would have on that boy that while all that would know Jesus in spirit and truth, he has a special place in their heart, yet in that boy's heart, amen, it, I can't imagine what he felt like when he heard what had happened to Jesus. And then word got out about how his disciples ran off and left him. Can't imagine, but he made it into his teens, trusting. Then a young adult got married, had children. I pray that he got in church. It'd be, I lean that way. It's hard for me to fathom a boy not being so drawn to Jesus and his teachings and whatever he laid his hand to that this boy would come into the kingdom. I just lean that way. And uh, I wonder how many times in his life as he grew and he matured and he had to start dealing with life and all of the responsibilities of life and the issues. Now, granted, he was not in the 21st century, but there were tax collectors back in those days. And they didn't all get converted. And uh, there were Roman soldiers. There were men that walked the streets. I wonder where he was in 66 A.D. when Titus compassed Jerusalem round about. When he crucified so many until finally they ran out of wood upon which to crucify people. I wonder what all happened in this young man, and then this man's life. And I wonder how many times he had to get a hold of himself and remind himself of the words that Jesus spoke concerning him.
I wonder if he ever went to his wife and said, Honey, I, I got to go back. I got to go back to when I was a little boy. I got to be converted like Jesus talked about that day. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You know, I'm in uh, Louisiana tonight. I am in an area of the country that was for so many decades the absolute hotbed of Pentecost. The testimonies that are in this house tonight of people, elder folks, even young, you could tell of things you saw and things you've heard and people you know and knew and the events that took place, amen, in the heirs in our ancestry spiritually of this great, great salvation, the stories that bubbled out of Louisiana and the things that we saw and heard. Amen. Again, I wasn't raised here. I was not raised in church. But there's something about new convertism. There's something about coming to Him. And those of you that perchance have uh, read the book where I came to God called Journey of a Lifetime. I, I was a hippie. And uh, the drugs, and if you've read it, you know it was really a bad, bad, bad deal. But God was unbelievably, awesomely, mind-bogglingly good to Larry Booker. And he saved me. And when I look back in those early days, and I have had so many people ask me if I would please write a sequel to that, and I will. Uh, we're, we're, we've got our feet ankle deep in a building project that will probably put us 60 foot under the water before we're through. I don't want to write it until that building project's done. And if I'm still alive, I'll write the book. Praise God. And... Uh, but I do have a lot to tell about God's goodness to me. How many remember the early days when you first came to the Lord? Amen. Now, they may not be the early days of Pentecost, but they were the early days of your Pentecost. Amen. That precious excitement and that precious zeal. I think when I look back in those early days, amen, that uh, how utterly, utterly awestruck and amazed I was. And I did not come into a, a big, powerful, throbbing, moving church. It was a small, but throbbing, moving church. It was a home missions church. There was 18 people there. When I got in, I made number 19. When I got married, my wife became number 20. Amen. And uh, But I, I look back and I, I stand in awe with wonder of the things in those early days, those early days that things that God tried to teach me and instruct me and reveal to me. I'm not bragging. I think we all drank from that cup. If, 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 if we need a title of what I want to talk about tonight, and I'm just talking to you right now, I want to talk about things that God tried to teach me. Things that God tried to teach me. Amen. When I was young. Amen. Sometimes I look back and I think the things that he did and I saw and he wrought maybe 
before I became institutionalized, before the awe took a ebb and a turn, maybe. I'm not backslidden, don't think that I am. But I remember those early days of unbelievable childlike faith. Just innocence to believe this God for anything and everything because he was big and he wanted to do it. Hallelujah. He wanted to do it. Those were days before uh, life took a toll. (laughs) This is not a confession, but I'm going to talk to us. Before that childlike faith took a toll with saints. I love you. Praise God. And preachers, I really love you. Hallelujah. And problems and situations, politics, church politics, city building codes, carnality, disappointments, fears, failures, in-laws, outlaws, fill in the blanks. Hallelujah. Of the things that you face as you grow, amen, and you find out that you got to pay the bills, you got to get up, you got to go to work, you got the bases you've got to touch, amen, the daily do list of stuff, amen. Now, I like to think that in the midst of all of that, I have never lost the awe. I believe in worshiping God. I believe in loving Him. I believe, amen, in letting Him know that I love Him with all of my heart. Amen. I don't ever want Pentecost to become a spectator sport for me. I I want to be involved. I don't want to watch other people worship. I want to worship. I, I want to talk to Him. I want to love Him. Amen. Somewhere in the course of it, I've got, there's got to be something that I'm more interested in getting a hold of him than I am inspecting everybody else. Hallelujah. If, if, if we don't do that, we're, we're really going to lose some precious, precious, precious things. Amen. But I remember one time, uh, uh, giving a man a Bible study. Ended up being his pastor for 12 years and, uh, till I moved, took the church at Rialto. But, I remember uh, giving him a Bible study. He was a man that had been raised in the assemblies of God. And he had never received the Holy Ghost. Which is not surprising. I'm not being ugly. If you're of that persuasion. By their own account. By their own account. 20% of the people today have the Holy Ghost. I don't know why they even call themselves a Pentecostal movement. By their own account. And this came from the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Amen. 40% of their preachers don't even have the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, so this boy, this man was raised and he never got the Holy Ghost. And he said, Brother Booker, he said, I wanted the Holy Ghost. I wanted the Holy Ghost. And, and uh, long story short, he got the Holy Ghost. I baptized him in Jesus' name. And I remember the joy and the ecstasy and the, oh, man, this, it was on this guy. And I remember the day that um, after a service, I saw him and he, and he was just, he just, I could tell he was troubled a little bit. And uh, anyway, on the way out, I slapped him on the back, told him I loved him. And 
He said, Pastor, can I ask you something? And I said, well, sure. He said, I, I, I had a saint tell me something at the beginning of service, and it, it just it, it bothers me. And the first question was, fair or not, I said, who was the saint? And told me who the saint was. And that gave me the pretty general direction of where we was headed. And, uh, and the saint was a good man. He was a good man. There were days when that church had fallen on hard times, hard, hard times, bad times, that he and another man kept the doors open in that old church. Amen. So he wasn't a bad man. He was a good man. He was a precious man. But he did give this young convert a bit of bad advice. Because when he was worshiping God and loving God and excited, amen, about the time they were taking the offering, he sidled up next to him. He said, enjoy this while you can. Because the day is going to come when it won't be like it is right now. And he said, Brother Booker, is that, is that true? Will a day come that... I won't feel like this about him. I said, as much as I love that brother, you were just absolutely lied to. This thing is as powerful and as rich and lovely. Whatever you do, don't ever quit loving. Whatever you do, don't ever quit praising. Whatever you do, don't ever quit worshiping, my God. Hallelujah. Don't buy that. Don't buy that. Amen. But we do know that life has a way of having its effect on us. This is why the Bible speaks of us being saved by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is why the Bible speaks of us breaking up the fallow ground of our hearts. That's ground that has been plowed, that, 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 that it just sits a while and nothing's been planted there. And so then the rain comes and the sun comes and, and you go by fields where, where you can tell it's been plowed up, but now the weeds are coming back. That's fallow ground. And yet a saint of God, we can't afford any luxuries of fallow ground. We have to be renewed. And there's got to be something that says, God, come on now, take me back. I, I, I want that glory. I want that grace. I want that power and that majesty. We do well to remember that in Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And granted, he was not a baby forever. Amen. He went past Christmas. Amen. And I'm glad for Christmas personally. No offense. I, you know, I, I'm into it. <laughs> but, amen, he did grow up. And a lot of people that get excited about Christmas do not get excited about doing what he said when he grew up. Hallelujah. It is a package deal, brother. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And his name, his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace is his special domain. Hallelujah. 
Amen. But if you want to look at it categorically, you got to remember the first thing he is termed as is wonderful. Hallelujah. This God is wonderful. He wants us to ever look at him in wonder. He wants us to ever stand in awe of him. No matter what happens, what comes or goes, good or bad, highs or lows, there's got to be something that says, God, 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 you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're mighty, you're holy, you're powerful, you are awesome. And your first name really is wonderful. Hallelujah. When I came to the Lord, I did not know very much. I don't know much now, but I know a little more than I knew then. I knew one verse of Scripture, John 3.16. I didn't understand it. I couldn't find it. But that's all I knew. Amen. I didn't know about what Palms was, Genesis, Habakkuk, or any of those other books. I had no idea. Amen. But I did fall in love with that book. Amen. When I started reading it. And oh, I loved it. That, that, the, the reading of it, going through it, those first days, months, it was a new world opening up to me. And I'd look at it and think, how long, oh Lord, how long is it going to take me to get through this? And how long is it going to take me to where I can pronounce some of this? How, how long before I understand what it is I'm reading? And then I read one day about, about Ezekiel. Amen. Where the angel came and gave him the scroll and said, eat it! Sweet to your mouth and, amen, bitter to your belly! But you're going to get understanding when you read this. Where's your Bibles? Amen. This is your Bible. And I got that Bible. And I wanted... Excuse me. That's your little black book, is it? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, this is your little black book. All right, I'm sorry. And uh, and I, I, I thought, oh, God, send me an angel. If I could, and I've done this before, but I, I got that Bible and I, I said, God, if I could just eat this thing and not have to take all that time, it would sure help. I just signed your Bible. Praise God. <laughs> Let me see your Bible. I don't want to leave nobody out. That's a nice Bible, though. Signed it. Praise God. But oh, the awe, reading through of, of the great things, the beautiful things, the glorious things, the awesome things. Amen. Never dreaming. Never dreaming in those early days that someday I might fall asleep reading it. Amen. But there have been times. But oh God, take us back. How awesome. How wonderful you really are.
Amen. If we're not careful, Jesus is going to need to get a child and put us in the midst of all of us and say, Hey, 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 hey! Come on now, let's go back. Let's go back to the awe of a little child. Hallelujah. Get, get, get us back, be converted as a child. I don't want to be so grown up. I don't want to be so together. I don't want to be so responsible. Amen. That somewhere we lose the awe and the excitement and the thrill of what God can do and how big God is and how mighty God is and how much He cares about big things and little things because He's God. Hallelujah, I think about things that God tried to teach me. Amen. When I was young and a little more awestruck maybe. There's something beating in my heart. I'm, I'm just telling you now, I, I want to go back to the awe. I want, I want, oh God, but I'm not alone in this. Because I feel Jesus saying, I want you to go back to the all. I feel Jesus in this house tonight. Looking at people that he loves very deeply. Very dearly. Very mightily. That he's saying, hey, come on now. Sit down on my knee. I want to talk to you. Amen. Let's go back. Let's take a trip back. Let's go back to the days of awe. And wonder. Because he's just as big and just as awesome and just as powerful. It don't matter what we learn and what mysteries we understand. No man knows anything as he ought to know. Amen. About time we get to thinking we do know something. Uh, uh, go down here to the coast. Get there on the beach. Amen. Pick you up a nice, nice, nice little bit. A little rock. Amen. And throw it out there in the ocean. And what you just threw is what you knew compared to what he knows. And what understanding we've got, precious as it is, the understanding, the waters, the wisdom of Him is infinite. Amen. We can swim in that ocean forever and never touch bottom and never reach the other shore. That's how big and how awesome He is. Hallelujah. So there's got to be something in us. If we're not careful, it's easy to fall into some traps like Joshua did. When one day some guys showed up and they had moldy bread and they had, uh, they had, uh, uh, well, let me just read it to you. They said, this is our bread. When we came, it was hot out of the oven. Amen. But now behold, it's dry and moldy. These, these bottles of wine that were filled, they were new, but now they're rent. They're so old. Our garments that are tattered and battered and messed up. Amen. Our shoes, they were brand new when we left town. But we came on such a long journey to see you, amen, and ask you to have mercy. And the Bible says in verse 14 of Joshua 9, And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league because he looked at all of that and he just didn't take the time to pray. He had enough understanding. He had walked with Moses. He'd been in this thing, amen, for a full generation. And he knew just enough. I don't think I have to pray about this one. My experience can handle that. Brothers, I'm going to tell you, it's coming in on me. If we ever prayed 
we better get to praying now. If we ever took some time to wait on God and talk to Him and fall back head over heels in love with Him, this is the hour. These are the days. And what's more, I think there's more resting on us now. Amen. Getting a hold of God in this generation for what is coming upon this world and the generation that is beneath us and what God really does want to do. If anybody ever prayed, we ought to be the prayer warriors. If anybody ever got a hold of God, it ought to be us. If anybody said, come on, God, take me back. I want to see the glory. I want to see the majesty. I want to see the power. It needs to be us. Hallelujah. Because there's a lot of slop going on out there in the name of revival and Pentecost that's not the real deal. I'm here to tell you, like that music, we heard the real deal. When it comes to God and the moving of the Holy Ghost and the thing that God wants to do, we got to get a hold of the real deal. Amen. There is a real God and a real power and real outpourings and real grace and real glory and real majesty and real miracles. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He he loves us just as much as he ever did. Nothing's changed. He still wants to be God. He still wants to work. He still wants to do. Amen. And he's big. Things. Things. That God tried to teach me when I was so young and so sensitive about, about prayer. And I know that this is in that book, but I'll never forget. Man, I, maybe it's rattled me tonight because when I was pulling away from the from the motel, there was a couple, a man and his wife that were uh, going into the room, and the wife looked just like. A girl I used to go out with when I was a sinner. In the book, her name is Norma. That was her real name. Everybody knew her as Bitsy. And uh, the last time I ever saw Bitsy was before that book came out. My wife and I were in Colorado. and Long story short, went to see her and her husband. Didn't know they had divorced. And when I saw her, I was 50, she was 50, and she looked 75. Everything I'd ever feared about what sin would do, had done. And in a sad closing of the rest of that story, two months later, she took a gun and killed herself in her front yard. I tried to talk to her about Jesus. I saw Bitsy. In fact, in fact that night I talked to her. I reminded her of something. I remember, I remember a man when I had repented. I didn't know about baptism in Jesus' name. I didn't know about the Holy Ghost, but, but I prayed for her. And I did tell this in the book, but, but I got to praying and I said, God, God, you've got to talk to her. She was, she was in bad, bad, bad shape going to Grand Junction, uh, university. And, uh, I, I just, I just, I just believed that God would talk to her. I said, you got to talk to her. One day she was sitting in a classroom. She began to have a nervous breakdown. I reminded her of all this. That night we talked. And she was, she was, she started 
cracking up in class. And she got up. She walked out of the classroom. She, she walked outside. There was a huge bush. She, she fell on the ground and crawled between the school and the bush. And there she began to sob and cry and come to pieces. And she didn't know I was praying for her. And she heard a voice audible out loud that said, Bitsy, Bitsy, I have never seen you like this before. And when she heard that voice, she quit shaking. She quit crying. And when I reminded her of that, she said, Larry, when I heard that voice, I can't tell you the peace that came over me. I said, Bitsy, that was Jesus. He loves you. He wants to save you. He doesn't want you to be lost. And two months later, she killed herself. But I, that doesn't change how big God was. I know this much. When I got married to my dear sister Brenda, amen, in 1973, we weren't married very long, and I began to find out, and if Sister Brenda Booker was here, I'd tell this, and she has given me permission to do so, if it'll help just anybody. She was raised in a home that was a lot of beatings, a lot of batterings, a lot of trauma. She got the Holy Ghost when she was 10. She was a Sunday school bus product. Ten years old, brothers and sisters, some of them got the Holy Ghost. But her dad was a horrid alcoholic. Very, very sad. Very brutal. Very mean. Sometimes he would come home at night, amen, and find just a little bit of garbage in the dish strainer, in the, in the, in the garbage strainer, in the sink. Just that's all he had to find. And he would pull all the pots and pans and glasses and, and dishes and silverware and and throw everything, bust things up, go through the house, wreak total devastation. While the kids trembled, he would get a clothes hanger and then go through the house and beat the kids bloody and tell them, when I wake up, I want this place spick and span. And then he'd go sleep off his drunk. That kind of stuff didn't happen once or twice. It happened often. And so I married this, this beautiful girl. She's in church, had the Holy Ghost since she's 10. Is, is, is considered a darling of the district. But I didn't realize that every now and then a, a, a spirit, as all you could call it, a fear would come upon her. And she had got it equated somehow in her mind that her God was like her dad. And that somewhere he was going to find a little bit of garbage in the dish strainer sometime and treat her like a dog. And say, so you didn't pray enough today, therefore you're going to hell. You didn't do this just right, therefore you're going to be lost. He's going to come in a day, in an hour, when, when maybe she got mad at some. He was going to see to it that he caught her out somewhere. And she would lie and shake and quake with fear and trembling. And, and, and if she was here, I'd tell it, and I'd say, I'd say, honey, it ain't that way. You, I wasn't raising this, but I can tell you this much. That's not the God we're serving. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's a mighty God. His mercy endureth forever. His anger may endure for a moment, but in His favor is life. 
Amen. He does everything. He does in a world and a life with redemption in mind. He doesn't want you to be lost. He didn't go all the way to Calvary. Amen. To catch you out somewhere. He went to Calvary to seek and to save that which was lost. God prayed for her and then eventually she quit trembling and this and that. But it had come back ever just so many months. And so I got to pray and I, 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 I got to pray and I said, God, you spoke audibly to Bitsy. And I didn't even have the Holy Ghost. I wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. And you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that you can talk to my wife. I've told her that you love her. Amen. She's heard it preached. I've read it to her. But God, I'm asking you, I know you're able because I've seen you do it. I want you to talk to her out loud and show her that you love her. And I prayed every night for 18 months. If I missed a night, I don't remember A night that I missed. God. And my wife didn't know I was praying for her. You gotta talk to her. You gotta talk to her. You gotta talk to her. I'm talking about things he taught me when I was young. Larry Booker, don't you ever forget it either. Hallelujah. And then one night we were in a service and a a visiting evangelist was preaching and he preached a message. It needs to be preached. It really does. Amen. And he preached a message on hell. And, uh, and, and it was hot and, and it was, it was scary and, and it, it, it needs to be preached. It's got to be there. But anyway, he did. And, uh, and, and so anyway, while it was going on and I was, I was sitting there next to my wife and, and I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew what it was doing to her. It wasn't affecting her like that. Hers was, I knew it. My, my number's up. He'll catch me. He wants me to go there. And, and so the altar call was given and I went over here and I began to kneel and pray and I knew, oh God, help my wife. And she went over, amen. She didn't go to the altar. She went to the front pew and I could hear her praying. If you can call it prayer. It was a groan. It was like a wounded animal that had been shot. She was up there and just, oh, just, you could hear the agony in her. And just, oh, there was nothing pleasant about it. There was nothing hopeful about it. It was just, and I was praying, God, please, 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 only you can sort out all of this stuff. And then I heard her, and she began to worship. And then she began to laugh. And she'd laugh, and then she'd cry, and then she'd laugh, and she'd worship. I looked over there, and she just, she's having a good time. So, anyway, I kept praying, and she's really having a good time. After a while, people begin to leave and dispense. And, and in fact, she was so fearful, she used to be, get scared any time I really tarried long at an altar. I'm, I hope you don't mind. I'm just talking to you out of my heart tonight. And, and, and I was at the altar praying. She used to get scared if I stayed at an altar too long because she was afraid I'd come home with some new conviction. <laughs> now, come on now, honey. Don't, don't get too spiritual on me. And so, and so I was praying and, and she, she come down and I, I sensed her presence and I look up and she was beaming. 
And she said, are you going to come home now or a little later, stay and pray? Well, that's new. I said, I said I'm, uh, I'm going to pray a little while. Okay, I'll see you at home. So I went home. Now, we'd been married three years at that time. And we did not have a child. And we wanted a child. And I began to wonder maybe there was a problem. I came home. She's sitting in the chair. She's beaming. She's smiling. She's at peace. You can feel it through the whole house. And I walked in and she's smiling. I said, what What happened to you? She said, well, I've got news. What? I said, we're going to have a baby. I said, when? She said, I don't know, but he's on the way. I said, what happened to you? She said, well, you know where I've been. I said, yeah. And you know what the message probably did to me tonight. I said, yeah, I do. She said, when I went to the front, she said, I felt like I'd been run over. I felt like I'd been shot. I felt like I was bleeding. And this, the fear and the torment. And while she was there, my friend spoke to her and said, I love you. And she said, is that you, Jesus? And he said, I love you, Brenda. I love you. And she had a vision. It's the only vision a man in our 35 years of marriage that she's ever had. But she saw it. She saw three things. The first thing she saw was a cross on a hill turning slowly, slowly in every direction. And she knew instantly he died for everybody. He died for everybody. He died. He died for me. I'm in that number. He shed his blood for everybody. She said, the next thing I saw was him. It was a shepherd. And he had a little lamb holding him close to his bosom, comforting it. And he was stroking the lamb's head. And she knew, Jesus, that's me you're holding. I feel your comfort. I feel your love. And she said, Larry, the next thing I saw was me sitting in a rocking chair. And I was rocking like crazy. And I had a baby over my shoulder and said, that's what I saw. And she said, we're going to have that baby. Hallelujah. And from that night... My wife was never the same again. My God knew how to unravel, amen, the complex problems. I'm here to tell you, he's still big, and he's still mighty, and he knows every hang-up and every heartache and every sorrow, and we may as well believe him. Hallelujah. He's still able. Ten months later, our oldest son, Joel, was born. And bless his heart, he had colic. Bad colic. He's like one of them dolls. The only thing was when you laid him down, his eyes came open. 
And the only way he would sleep, literally, I promise you, the only way he would sleep is if you had him over your shoulder and you were rocking him. And we broke down two rocking chairs, literally, in the first three months of his life. But all the time we were rocking him, we were saying, Jesus, you had his number. Jesus, you had, you saw him. You saw my wife. You saw us. You're mighty! Can I tell you, he's still a prayer answering God. He's still a mighty God. He's still the same. He'll do it right now. He'll still hear us if we call on his name. Hallelujah! I'm going to tell you something. Thank you, Brother Majors, for your very, very kind remarks about all these people coming out and hear Larry Booker preach. I wish they had that revelation in Rialto, California. Because <laughs> far too many people, they miss here, they miss there. You know, Bible study, blah, 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 blah. But I remember something that he tried to teach me when I was young. I remember a boy that I'd won to God. Amen. I remember when he got baptized and working with him, talking to him. In fact, I used to run around with him when I was in the world. His name was Eddie. We talked about him in the book. We called him Special Ed. And... uh I remember when Eddie, Eddie, he left Bartlesville and he went back to Pueblo and he wasn't living for God now. And I thought, oh, he's going to ruin our witness. Oh. And, and I remember begging him to pray, talking to him, begging him to pray. And he just wouldn't pray. It's like, it's like. Well, I got to praying. And I said, God, God, that talked to my wife. God, that talked to Bitsy. God, I want you to put Eddie in a spot so tight that he will cry out to you. I mean, put him tight and make him call on your name. Well, I didn't have any better sense but just to believe that. About a week after I prayed that, and I prayed that two or three days, he was in Pueblo with some of my old buddies, and there was a a, uh, a, a, a a place this long, about this from here to there, that they sold snow cones and cotton candy and cold drinks and all that kind of stuff, and it had a chimney, and uh, Eddie was going to break in about midnight and rob the place. And he was just drunk enough, he thought he could get by with it. So he climbed up on the roof of that place at midnight, the buddies around there in the park, and he got there up in the chimney, and he slid down the chimney. He believed in Christmas. Anyway, but he was there to take. So, but the problem was the chimney didn't stop at the first floor. It didn't stop till you got to the basement. I, I'm making a little jokes. Please don't. I'm not. I, I respect. I mean that. I respect people's. I'm not. Don't think I'm being flippant. Anyway, so he slides down. 
Now he's going down this chimney that's like two sizes too small. And his pants are pulling up and his shirts are pulling up. And now it's all around his neck. And the shirts are pulled up. And he has slid down. And picture the bricks he's sliding down. Is cutting away at his back. Filling it with soot. As he scrapes down. And his hands are in the air. And everything's around his neck. And when he hits the fireplace grate, the opening hits him in the knee. So he couldn't crawl out if he wanted, and he's facing the wrong way anyway. And it's midnight. And he don't like it there. So he starts calling out for my buddies. And he's hollering, Clifford! Jack Fred! Didn't call on Jesus. But Clifford and Fred and Jack and them couldn't hear him. They couldn't got him out if they wanted to. There he was. And so after about 30 minutes, wondering where Special Ed was, they got in the cars and left. Then it came morning. By that time, he didn't have a voice left. And uh, this was in August. And the sun came up. And uh, began to beat upon the stonework. Long about 9 o'clock in the morning, there he was. And he could hear them unlocking the doors. It's getting hotter and nobody can hear him. He hears them drawing water. He hears them scooping ice. He hears them filling cokes. He hears, amen, he can imagine the ice cream. He hears the snow cone. He, I mean, he's just all this stuff. And it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter in that chimney, that August sun. This goes on 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. He has never called on God. He told me later, he said, I couldn't. I wouldn't. I just... And then he hears them locking down and shutting up shop. And they're leaving And the last man is the manager. And he's got his key in the lock, fixing to pull the door shut. And Eddie knows it's over. And he knows he's going to die. And this is what he said. Jesus, this is what he said. I don't know whose prayers got me in this fix. But Jesus, would you please have mercy on me? And when he said that, the water pipes in the basement began to clang, 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 clang. And the guy was about to shut the door. And he opens it back up. Clang, 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 clang. What in the world? Clang, 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 clang. He opens up the basement door. Clang, 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 clang. He goes down there. Clang, clang. Stops clanging.
He turns on the light, and there are some knees and tennis shoes. Hey, who are you? Help me, please, please help me, please help me. So, phone calls are made. Here come the police, here come the fire department. They begin to tell him, okay, we got the, they got the, the picks, they got the um, sledgehammers, we're going to tear this wall. He, and the owner says, you ain't touching that fireplace. He came down the chimney, you take him back out the chimney. <laughs> Truth. They drop a cord down there and say, buddy, you have to come up this way. I don't care, whatever. Wrap that thing tight around your wrist. Get a hold of it. We're going to snug it up. Make sure you don't lose grip. Whatever. And they start scraping him back up the top. Jesus put him in a tight spot. I'm going to tell you, we better get to praying for our backsliders. That God, our God, come on, God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Put him in a spot they got to call out. Put him, come on, we're talking about things God has already taught us a long time ago. The old stuff still works. He still answers prayer. He still knows the meaning of a burden. Do you realize? I'm not being picky. I'm, I'm like the carpenter that's that's hitting and breaking my thumb. How much we today will try everything but what used to work. And we know it's the truth. God, help us. We gotta go back. We gotta go back. We gotta, come on God. You taught us something when we were young. You showed us some things and you're not changed. If anybody changed, it was us. So they drug him out. Yes. And, you gotta remember now, this is in 73. For whatever reason. They doused him very well with iodine and took him straight to jail. He did not pass go. He did not collect $200. And they put him in jail, wrapped up in bandages that are red from iodine. Now today he'd end up owning the place, but you know, anyway. there he was. And for some reason, the cell they put him in, the guys there didn't like him. And his grandparents let him stay there for two days because they were miffed. And he said, I was so exhausted, but they wouldn't let me sleep. He said, by the time I'd nod off, I'd wake up and there'd be a fork in my throat. And they would help him pray. Oh, what a big God. What a big God. I remember when Eddie came back. He was ready to do business. He prayed back through. He did really good. He did really good.
Except then he started missing church. Started missing church. And I said, God, the same God that you helped him pray. You can get that fishing thing off of him. Ain't nothing wrong with fishing. But there's a time and a season for everything. Church time is not that time. Now, if you're off on a vacation, that's one thing. Amen. So, there he was. He got the missing church slot, going fishing. So, one night, along about 8 o'clock, we got done singing, worshiping. Pastor Moss was taking prayer requests. I said, I want us to pray for Eddie. I said, Eddie is really into fishing right now, much more than he is church. And I want God to deal with him thoroughly, quickly, and severely about this fishing over church. Pastor said, okay, we'll pray. And there were some little old mothers in Israel, and they prayed, and we prayed. Well, that night, about 1.30 in the morning, Eddie come in. We were sharing a house at that time. He comes walking in. Where have you been? I've been hitchhiking. From where? Out past Willowrock. Where's the car? Car don't start. Car don't run. Nothing works. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, he said, I was fishing. And he said, I was getting some of the meanest bites you ever seen. I mean, man, I was ready to clean house. This is what he said. He said, about 8 o'clock, that pond went dead. His eyes. When we started praying, God started answering. He said, there was nothing. He said, I expected fish to float up to the surface any minute. So dead. He said, it was so dead, Larry. Now, he didn't know. I didn't tell him yet. He said, it was so dead, it was eerie. It was weird. He said, I didn't feel right. Finally, I got to thinking, I'm going to get out of here. He said, I got up. Put my tackle up, got this, that. And he said, Larry, an eagle attacked me. He said, it wasn't a hawk. It wasn't a falcon. He said, I'm telling you, it was an eagle, and it had a wingspan of like six feet. He said, I'm going to the car, and I hear, ah, ah, and he turns, and, ah, and he said it had its talons, and it was, ah, ah, and he said, I was swinging. I was swinging at him with my pole. I was trying, to, and he was, ah, ah. And he said, I, I knew, I, he said, I knew, Larry, it had something to do with that pole. He said, I threw it in the water. And what I did, the eagle took off. What we walk away from when we walk away from prayer. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. He said, I was shaking, trembling, and I got in the car. I moved the cables. I did. He said, I prayed. I did everything. And he said, I started hitchhiking in. He said, I must have been invisible. Nobody picked me up. And it's 1.30 in the morning, and here I am. Things God tried to teach me when I was young. Oh, Jesus, help us. While we're talking about special ed, he prayed through for a while. I remember one night, I was assistant pastor now. 
Pastor Moss was gone. And so he was gone for about a week and a half. And so I was taking care of the church there. And somebody was talking to me and I was talking to them. lady in the church had a bunch of pans, pots and pans. She went out there and saw Eddie and said, Eddie, would you please take these and put them back in the kitchen? He gets the pots and pans. I'm standing there talking to somebody. He comes up with these pots and pans. He said, here. I said, what was that? He said, Sister T told me to take him to the kitchen. I said, well, Eddie, I'm, I'm talking. Why don't you go ahead and take him to the kitchen? He took those pans and he threw them all down the aisle. Now, I was married at this time. And I was letting that turkey stay with us, trying to help him. And uh, I was learning how to pastor, I guess. I said, that was the most despicable thing I ever saw in my life. I said, pick those pans up and get them back now! We go, I, I, we go home. I'm letting the guy stay in our home. I sit down on the couch. And he comes and he flops down there. I'm reading the newspaper. And he said, what's that? I said, this is a newspaper. He said, you think you're smart, don't you? And I folded up the paper. Things God tried to teach me when I was young. I stood up and I said, Eddie, do you know what your problem is? He said, what? I said, you have a spirit of rebellion. Definitely on you. Maybe in you. But it's a spirit of rebellion that is on you. Is that right? I said, yes, that is right. I said, and I'm going to prove it to you right now. He said, is that right? I said, yes, I'm going to pray for you. And God in His mercy is going to deliver you. And when He delivers you, you're going to see that there was a spirit of rebellion on you. He said, yeah. So, see, after a while you get too smart for these kinds of things. I didn't have any better sense than to go over there and put my hands on him and say, in Jesus' name, the Lord rebuke this spirit of rebellion. We command it. We command it off of this boy in Jesus' name. He's sitting here with a smirk on his face. And I stepped back. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I watched him. He was... I could almost physically see it lift off of him. And he was sitting there. He said, wow. I said, you feeling different? He was very frightened. He said, Larry, I can't believe this. Um, well, I'm really sorry. I, and I said, Eddie, God has just been so merciful to you that you can't even imagine how merciful he's been. 
But that spirit is going to come back with seven others. If you don't get refilled powerfully with the Holy Ghost and hang in there with Jesus and knock this foolishness off, I said, you're going to end up in really bad shape. He said, oh, Larry, please pray with me. We prayed and prayed, prayed him back through to the Holy Ghost. He did good for a while. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God won't make anybody, but it's amazing how far he'll go if we can just... And I watched him as the months went by, and he got bad, really bad. And then he quit coming, and then he copped his attitude again. And by that time, I just... And one morning before 7 o'clock, he called me, and he was terribly frightened. He said, Larry, please, I'm begging you, can you please come pick me up? I said, Larry, i got to go to work. And I was running a linen truck at that time. He said, can I ride with you, please? I won't mess anything up, please. i got to talk to you. I said, okay. So it was the day that my route was in town, and I went and I picked him up. And uh, we're riding, and he said, I can't talk just yet. He said, if you give me some time, I'll talk to you, but not, not now. After about an hour, I pulled over the truck. I said, you ready to talk, Eddie? He said, yeah. He said, Larry, you remember when you warned me about, about them devils? I said, yeah. He said, they came back. I said, tell me about it. He said, you know the apartment building I live in? I said, yeah. It was upstairs, and there was, there was apartments all along the walkway to his apartment, which is in the corner. He said, about midnight, I heard somebody walking up the steps, and then I heard another and another. He said, it, was like, it sounded like a host was coming up the steps. He said, the closer they got walking across the hallway, down the hallway to my room. He said it became really loud. And he said, I was feeling something so horrible, so scary. He said, I got up and I, I, I bolted the door. I, he said, I, it was feeling really, really, really bad. And he said, Larry, he said, man, it's midnight. And you know, I got all those neighbors. I said, yeah. He said, they began to beat on my door. Open up, Eddie! And he said, I was so terrified. I was praying, please, God, let the neighbors wake up. But nobody ever woke up. He said, Larry, they begin to cuss. They begin to revile. The talk, the speech was un unbelievably filthy. The blasphemies that rolled out of their mouths. He said, it was sickening. And he said, they begin to chant, Larry. In their chanting, they were outside my door. And I could hear them chanting. And they said, go ahead and tell Brother Booker. Go ahead and tell Brother Booker. Go ahead and tell Brother Booker. And then they'd laugh hysterically. He said, Larry, they did it all night long. When they finally quit, when the sun came up is when I called you. And I prayed with him. And I watched God fill him with the Holy Ghost and help him. Amen. There is an element in here. Our wills. Somewhere we got to say, not my will, but thy will be done. And we're going to greener pastures in just a minute. Amen. But I am going to tell you something. The last time I saw Eddie, I went to go see him in his house. I waved my hand in front of his face. He was so demon-possessed. He was in such a stupor. His house was so grotesque. 
so the word filthy doesn't even compute. And he was lost in his world of demonry. But I had seen God reach over and over and over and over and over. I'm talking about some things God tried to teach me when I was young. And I look at it today and I say, God, oh God, come on now, take us back. Take us back to just praying and believing. And try. We will do whatever else we have to do. But Jesus, there is a power. There is a grace and a glory. There is a God that's waiting in the wings, waiting for His people, which are called by His name, to humble themselves and pray. And if there be any wicked ways, if they'll turn from Him, hallelujah, He will turn and He'll come and He'll heal our land. Hallelujah. There's no telling the power that is wrapped up latently in this building tonight. Amen. The prayer warrior that you know God answers prayer. That you know God will work. That you know you've seen it in days gone by. Can I tell you, I'm feeling a call in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I know it's to me, but I know it's to all of us. Come on now. we got to go back. we got to go back. There's a God that wants to move. He wants to move. He wants to save. He wants to show His glory. Let's lift our hands and love Him. I love you, Jesus. Oh, God, 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 I love you. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to pick up and go to happier happier waters. You get talking about the devil. The devil likes to come around. People get scared and all that. Amen. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you mean business, you're going to be okay. But our God is so big. He's so powerful. I remember in that little church there, things God tried to teach me. There was a lady. It is okay to call her name. She bless her heart. She's dead now. Her name is Sister Curl. I like Sister Curl. She's a pretty good old lady. She she liked television, though. She really liked it. She really liked it. Now, she said she didn't. She said that every time she gets rid of it, her son would buy her another one. And uh, And I got to praying. And I said, Jesus, Jesus, you can get rid of that television. I mean, make it too expensive for that boy to keep buying her TVs. God, in Jesus' name, I'm taking her at face value. Get rid of the TVs. So he started popping TVs. And the son bought two more. And he finally got out of the business. Amen. Because he's just that good and he's that mighty. And he's that neat. Her daughter was raised in church, but her daughter never received the Holy Ghost. And her daughter was now 32 years of age. She'd been married for 11 years, and she'd never had a baby. And and I'm not bragging. Please, I'm bragging on him. I promise you, because, man, I'm, I'm making confession here. i got to go back to the things that he taught me. Amen. But, but uh, I got to praying. And I said, God, that girl has seen all kinds of things in her life. I want her to see the real power of God. And I started praying, God, 
God, you're able to give her a baby. And I'd call her name and I would pray, God, give her a baby. Give her a baby. Give her a baby. Give her a baby. I went to her mother and I said, I'm praying, Sister Dora, that God will give, amen, your daughter a baby. She said, I'm praying too. Well, we're going to pray. Pray, pray, pray. And I kept praying. And one night while I was praying, the Lord spoke to me and He said, I will give her a child. I went to her mother the next service. I said, go tell your daughter she's going to have a baby. She goes, well, I really believe it. I said, no. I said, go tell your daughter that I said the Lord told me she was going to have a baby. And tell it to her just like that. And she went and told her just like that. And she smiled. That's sweet. But can I tell you something? Amen. Eleven months later, a woman that waited eleven years gave birth to a little boy. And she was smiling a different smile and giving God the glory. I'm telling you, this God's big. This God's big. This God's mighty. This, this God is awesome. Hallelujah. This God, amen, this is the hotbed of Pentecost. This is Louisiana. Amen. The, you are born and bred in this stuff. Hallelujah. I'm just, I, I wish I was talking to everybody. Amen. But you talk to who you can. Come on. I feel like God is saying, come on now. Come on now. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Trust me. Believe me. See if I will move. I pass him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get quiet. Woo! Whoa! Okay, I'm going to get quiet. Quick. I'm doing another book right now. There was a man by the name of David Lee Floyd. Brother Floyd, when I took the church in Miami, Oklahoma, I was 24 years of age. I was the youngest adult in the class. In the, yeah, that too. Uh, in the church. Brother Floyd was in his 90s. He was 90, actually. I pastored him for four years. He got the Holy Ghost in 1910. And he was baptized in Jesus' name in 1915. He heard Charlie Smith in Houston, Texas preach. Amen. On the oneness of God. Old brother Charlie Smith from Louisiana. And he got up and he read his text. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. But brother Floyd said that's as far as he got. He was sitting on the platform right over there. Charlie Smith read those words and the revelation hit brother Floyd. It was Charlie Smith and David Floyd that went to Elton, Louisiana in 1915. I taped Brother Floyd before he died. I've got nine hours of tape. I've had it all transcribed. I'm in the process of producing a book out of it. I'm putting in things that he told me that I didn't get on tape, but all that. But uh, uh, the things that Brother Floyd saw here in Louisiana and the glory days and the power and the might, the things the way they trusted God, believed God, one time, he said he was on his way to Neosho, Missouri. He didn't have a ride. He was walking. He said, Brother Booker, I was so hungry. I was so thirsty. He said, I was getting faint. I was getting dizzy in the hot sun. He said, I knelt beside the road. There was no cars coming. Nobody could give me a ride. He said, I thought I was going to faint in the way. I got down on my knees, and I began to pray and say, Jesus, you know, I'm just going over there to try and do some preaching and help win somebody to you, Jesus. I want you to help me. You got to help me. And he bent his head down and his head was touching the ground. And the Lord spoke to him and said, David, lift up your eyes. And he kept praying. And the Lord said, David, lift up your eyes. And so he lifted up his eyes. He said, Brother Booker, it was not there before, but right in front of me 
was a patch of strawberries in a perfect rectangle. It was a tiny garden of strawberries. They were every one of them ripe. They were every one of them sweet. They had not been there before. I'm looking at these instant strawberries. I take one. I eat it. It is so sweet. I eat another. I eat another. It quenched his thirst. It filled his belly. It gave him strength. And he went on to Neosho and preached this one God, Jesus name gospel. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that God is still alive and well? Come on now. There's a generation. Young people, hear me. You can get a hold of God as well as anybody else. God wants to show himself strong in the behalf of them that love him and will trust him. He's mighty. He's powerful. He's glorious. Let's stand. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. My message is just as simple as I can get it. He's just saying, come on. I feel it. Maybe he's just talking to me. If he is, so be it. But I don't believe that. Hallelujah. I don't believe we have to. Now, be satisfied with the same six and seven. But I want to say this. I cannot stand here right now and say, let there be a hurricane. Because if I did, I'd get in trouble anyway. Or, let there be a tornado. For a tornado to come, for a hurricane to come, you've got to have climatic conditions. The atmosphere has to be ready and it can produce it what we need is an atmosphere an atmosphere a prayerful hopeful believing excited atmosphere amen where god can move and god can minister and god can perform and god can show himself strong and say i have not changed in this 21st century. Out in California, we're about to have the 100th anniversary of the Azusa celebration. The Azusa Street. Yesterday, I took a missionary to Bonnie Bray Street. I saw William Seymour's grave. Went inside. I was able to get inside. The same... Dinette sits there. The same piano. How much was psychosomatic? And how much was God? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something. I sure felt Jesus in that house. And I thought about, and you do know, I trust you know, what all he grasped or didn't grasp, I do not know. But William Seymour did always baptize in Jesus' name. Amen. He baptized in Jesus' name. Every time he ever baptized anybody, it was in Jesus' name. And when he was there, got to town February 22nd, 1906. Started preaching February 24th. Preached five services. And Julia Hutchins shut him down. Had nowhere to go. Edward Lee went to his house. Then they started going over to Bonnie Bray for Bible studies. They got to praying. They got to fasting. Here he was preaching about the Holy Ghost as the evidence by speaking in other tongues. He didn't even have it. And they're digging and they're searching and they're seeking. Amen. 
Edward Lee was a janitor in a bank and he would go down sometimes in the daytime and pray for hours. One day while he was down there saying, God, I want the Holy Ghost. God, I want the Holy Ghost. This was his testimony. He said he had a vision. He saw two men standing before him. He said they did not identify themselves, but he knew it was Peter and John. And he saw them shaking, shaking, quaking, hands in the air, amen, speaking in other tongues. He went and told William Seymour, he said, I know what to expect when I get it. A little girl across the street, but she's 30 years old by the name of Jenny Moore. She had a vision. She saw three cards. Everybody wants the Holy Ghost, but they didn't know what it would be like. She saw three cards. On one card, Spanish, French. On another card, Hebrew, Hindustani. On another card, Greek, Latin. She didn't know what that meant. She told William Seymour, told the others. Finally, amen, April 9th, 1906. They started a 10-day fast. They'd been seeking since February 24th. And now it's April 9th and nobody got the Holy Ghost. And on the third day of that fast, Edward Lee was so sick. He said, please pray for me. William Seymour prayed for him. He fell out on the floor, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Jenny Moore was sitting on the piano bench. She hit the floor. She spoke all six languages that she had seen on the card. She got up drunk in the spirit. She sat down, turned around to the piano, and started playing. She'd never played a note of piano in her life. And she started playing the songs of Zion. She was the player at Azusa Street till she died in 1936. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? That God is the same. That God is still around. That God is still on the throne. That God wants to show Himself. That God wants to minister. He's just looking for the conditions to be right. He's just looking for somebody to say, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. Come on. We're going to press it. We're not talking about for two or three days. We're talking about sinking our teeth in this thing. We're talking about waiting on God. We're talking about prayer. Prayer to God and seeing what God will do. Let's lift our hands and love Him. Oh, God.
some backslider. Lift your hands and repent. Let God restore you tonight to the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, there's help for you. Blessed be the Lord. There's help for you tonight. God wants to do it.